Welcome to The Heart Zone, a podcast ministry of Kernsville Christian Church, featuring the teaching ministry of George Cannon. For more information about Kernsville Christian Church, visit us on the web at www.kernsvillechristian.org. And now, for a message from The Heart Zone, here's George. All right, folks, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 12 this morning. Romans chapter 7. And we're just going to continue following along in Paul's thinking. Of course, we're, what we're ultimately doing is we're trying to understand our faith. And with that, he's talked to us about salvation. He's talked about what that has done for us and, and our relationship with him. He's also talked about the reality that the power of sin has been broken in our lives, that you are no longer in bondage to sin. And so he's going to talk about that a little bit more because as I share that with you, and as you maybe have been reflecting on what I've shared with you the last couple of weeks about the power of sin being broken in your life, it, it, it's only natural for you and I to look at that and say, okay, George, I still sin. And you're telling me the power is broken, but... I'm still giving in to the same old thing over and over and over again. And it's like the one constant thing in my prayer life is confessing the same old thing over and over and over again. And so what I need for you to do is help me to understand because is this what life's supposed to be like? If, if the power of sin is broken, is this what it's supposed to be like? Because that can be frustrating. And so, yes, it can. In fact, what we're going to see, we're not going to see it, we're going to see an introduction to it today in chapter 7, the first part. When we get to the latter part of 7, you're going to see Paul's complete frustration happening because guess what? He says, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I do. Can you relate to that? The stuff that we want to do, we don't tend to do that. It's the stuff that we don't want to do, what? That we do. And that's an internal struggle. So here's the first thing I want you to see is, I want you to understand that as you're grasping the reality of the power of sin has been broken, you've been set free, the old man is dead, why am I still sitting? There's this frustration going on. I don't want you to think that you somehow are the only one and all of believers throughout all of time who are struggling with this. It's a natural struggle for every one of us. And so what he's going to do is, is as we get into chapter 7, he's going to help you to understand. And so today, we want to talk about the power of sin. You, yes, you have been freed from the power of sin but it still has an influence over on you. You're not a slave to it anymore. Do you understand? When you came to Christ, that slavery was ended. But it's still there. 
and it can have an influence <coughs> over you. You have to decide, though, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to give in to it? Or are you going to go on the other side of it and be what Christ wants you to be? So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at it here. He's going to talk about the law. We're going to explain what that is here in a moment. I want you to look with me at chapter 7, verses 1 to 12. Here's what Paul writes. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives, for a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if he lives, if the husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers... You also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who was, has been raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions arise, aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which has, which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. If it had not yet been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what it is to cover, to covet, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment with that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me, and through it it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. All right, let's take a look at this, because you're probably saying, wow, George, what in the world is he talking about? Well, what we're going to do here is we're going to look at it based on two things. We're going to talk about you and the law. I'm going to explain to you what the law is here in a minute. And the law and sin, or sin and the law. So let's look, first of all, you and the law, verses 1 to 6. So when we talk about the law, I am not talking about the penal code here in Kerwinsville Borough or in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. There are certain laws that we know that exist in our state, like a speed limit, paying taxes, thou shouldn't murder, this is what happens if you steal, these are the laws we know that are here in our commonwealth. We exist as a society because of that. But the law that he's talking about here is the law of Moses. It's the law that Moses gave 
for the functioning of the people Israel. It was both a civil law, how they were to function, what to do in a house if the house had mold. It was a religious law, very much giving structure to their worship, but it was also a moral law, hence the Ten Commandments. And with that, the law, you and I have a relationship with it. For you and I, as Gentiles, it's not the, quote, penal, the civil law, or necessarily the religious law, because we're not Jewish, but the moral law definitely is one that we have to deal with. Now, here's what he's saying, because it seems like the law reveals to us our sin. It seems like it is instrumental in our being sinners, because have you ever been told not to do something only to find yourself, after you've been told not to do it, wanting to do it. Reminds me of a little story I read one time about a guy who had kids, and they were really small, and he, they were their house was on a busy street, and he told his children, don't go on the sidewalk. You can be in the front yard, but don't go to the sidewalk, because it was a sidewalk and then the street. And then what he would do is he went in the house and they were out playing in the front yard and he went and he saw his little girl out right up against the sidewalk. And when he went out to see what in the world is she standing there doing? And so when he went up to her, he saw that she had her flip-flops off and she was trying to get her toes as close to the sidewalk as possible without touching it. Why? Because her daddy just told her not to go on the sidewalk. So what did she want? She wanted to get as close as possible. What is that? That's who we are as humans, right? Tell you not to do something, what do we want to do? We want to do what we're told not to do. What does the law do? The law tells us a lot of things not to do. It sets up these boundaries, right? And it ends up what Paul would later say in this passage, enticing us, urging us to what? To do it. So let's look at this together. We're going to look, first of all, at you and the law, okay? So here's what he points out in verses 1 to 3. He points out that the law has authority over a person until he dies. A law has authority over a person until he dies. We know that, right? As long as you are a citizen of the United States, are you bound by the laws of the United States? Till when? Till you're dead, right? You are bound by the laws, meaning you have to pay taxes till you die. They're, they're trying to figure out how to tax you after you die. But, you know, the reality is, is there are certain things that bind you. And so he's giving you a principle here. And what he does here in verses 1 to 3, he also illustrates it by the point of marriage. When you marry someone, you're bound to that person until you until that person is what? Dead. So he's trying to show you here that in the same way, That's the law for you and I. We're bound. So you're bound. But you say, okay, we're bound by the law of Moses? Yeah. 
except for one thing. Here's my second point. Through Jesus, you died to the law. All right, so let me stop. I want you to read, look with me what it says here in verse 4. Verse 4, it says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. All right, so remember, I told you, when Jesus died, you died with him. Remember, that's what he was telling us over the last few weeks as we looked at chapter 6. You died with him. The power of sin was broken. The old man died. You were raised up a new person. Paul's going to take it one step further and say you just didn't die to the power of sin. You're now dead to the law. And remember, you're bound to it till you die. Well, he's saying you've already died. You're not bound to the spirit, to this moral law anymore. Why? Because if you belong to Jesus, your loyalties now have changed. So it's not that you do the right thing because that's what you're supposed to do. You do the right thing because what? You're doing it for who? For God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's a difference. It's a difference in your motivation. It's not just that you do it because that's what you were told to do. You're doing it now because you're doing it for the one who what? Died for you. The one who gave you new life. So through Jesus, you have died to the law. Now, what he says now in verse 5 is, here's why it's so important because the law... Remember I told you, it's the law that really stirs us to want to do what? Break it. Look at what he says in verse 5. I think it's interesting. He says, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. The law stirs up your what? passions, your desires. And so here's the point I want you to see is the law stirred up our sinful passions resulting in death. Now it ultimately results in, in physical death, but what it results in is consequences. And so he'll say, you know what? I think it's interesting because he uses the illustration here. You know, the law told him not to covet. Well, then here's what he found himself doing. He found himself wrestling with all kinds of forms of coveting simply because he was told what? Not to covet. He said, before the law, I didn't know much about sin, but the law now told me what sin is, and guess what I want to do? Sin. So the law stirs up the passions. It's kind of like being in a home and, and you're watching your spouse, Lori has done this many times, make something really nice. I'd really like it when she makes some kind of uh, zucchini cake or whatever and, and uh, you know, finger bars or something. And she puts that vanilla uh, sugar, whatever, it's icing, okay? And I just want to go over and take a bar. Or three. Okay? But here's what, and so 
Okay, so there, there's that natural urge. But what makes me even more want to have one is when she says, this is for the family gathering later. Meaning, you can't have it. But here's what it's done now. Seeing that icing with that, knowing that it's just sugar and vanilla, and, and I'm like, wow, wow. What happens within me is now these desires are like pent up. Wanting what? That banana bar. Do you know what I'm saying? And, 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 it's, and it's like, have you, am I the only one who wrestles like that? And then I have to control it till we go to the clan gathering a few hours later. And then I'm told, wait till after the main meal. And, and you can see the wrestling match that's going on within me. I've got a wrestling match going on right now, and she doesn't even have any at home right now. So, But the point is, is what does it do? The law stirs up your passions and your desires. You understand that, right? Now, is it the law that's wrong? No. It's the power of sin, what? Stirring you up. Stirring you up. So you're no longer in bondage to it, but here's the problem. The problem is, while you're no longer in bondage to it, it still can what? Influence you to do wrong. And here's the problem. The problem is, is that with that influence, we have a tendency to what? Because we've always done it before, we will what? Give right into it and do what we shouldn't do. And, and then we have to face the consequences. Like an angry spouse when she comes back and finds out that you took a bar before you were supposed to. Here's what I want you to see. You've been released from the law for a purpose. And here's what he tells us in verse 6. Look at what he says. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. Okay, so we're released because we're dead to it, what we were held captive to. We're, we're, we're dead to it. So that, here's why, we serve in a new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code. Here's what I want you to see. We've been released from the law to serve in the way of the spirit. Now, what's he talking about here? Okay, because before, the reason why you did things, so I think about when I grew up, I grew up in a Cannon household. Ray Cannon was my dad. George Ray Cannon Sr. was my dad. And there were certain rules that we had to follow. We had to be home at a certain time. We couldn't do this. We had to do these things. And, and this is, we had to have our hair cut a certain way. I remember when, I remember I grew up in the, I was a child during the 70s. And back then there was the Sean Cassidy thing. I remember him and he had his hair parted down the middle and feathered back. And I remember my brother Gary wadding his hair like that. Well, my dad was a military man, and we went to the barber. You got to cut short, tight, military. And I remember my brother being all upset because dad's rules and getting a haircut he didn't want. He went and crawled in the back of the station wagon crying. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because that was where he was at. He wanted this to happen. And so we did and lived life according to the rules of Ray Cannon, my dad. But that ended when we got old enough to move out on our own, right? 
It's the same thing. You were once, before you became a believer, bound to the law. That moral law of being told what not to do and everything. Now he's saying you've been freed from that. Why? You've been freed from that so that you can live in the way of the Spirit. Now what's the difference? The way of the Spirit is the Spirit of God who lives within you, guiding you to do what's right for your good. Not just telling you what you can't do, but to use you to help you to become the person that you need to be, to help you to free yourself from being influenced by the power of sin, even though it doesn't have the power over you anymore. You've been freed to be somebody different, to live what God wants you to do. And that's reality here. That's you and the law. So then what he wants to do is to help you understand how that law is being used by sin. Here's what he wants you to see. What does the law do? What is its relationship with sin? Well, here's what it is. Look with me at verse 7. He's going to talk about what the law exposes. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? So the law isn't sin, but here's what it is. By no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. I would not have known what is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Here's what it is. The law exposes the reality of our sin. What the law does is it points out to you where you're going wrong. If the law didn't tell you something, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't be what? In trouble. I think it's interesting. It might be true in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It was true in South Carolina where I grew up. That if you're on a road that there's no speed limit posted, the law is it's 55 unless it's posted. Is that true in Pennsylvania as well? Okay. So if you're cruising down the road and you don't see any speed limit sign, you can go 55, which most of us want to go 55, right? At least, right, Bruce? Yeah, at least, if not more, right? But then when you come to an area and it says what? 45, 25, school zone, 10, then you can't go, what, 55, because the law now has told you what? What the law is, what's right, what's wrong. And But here's the problem. How are you doing going through that school zone at 10? I don't even know that my car can go 10 idling, right? But what happens is, is that law now, that sign reveals to me that I am a what? A sinner. A speeder, right? The law exposes the reality of sin. Here's what else he says, verse 8, 9. So what happens is, is that that power of sin then is stirred up. Why? Look at what he says, verse 8 and 9. He says, but sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. 
Here's what I want you to see. The power of sin uses the law to stir up your desire to sin. Yeah, the power of sin is broken. But the problem is, is we live in a world where we're told what we shouldn't do. And what does that do? That just bucks at our natural self that wants to do something different, wants to do its own thing. And it entices us to what? Do wrong. It stirs up our desire to sin. And the result of that always is what? Death. Consequences. In fact, that's what he points out here. Verse 10, he says, the law was supposed to do something good, but it didn't do it. What did it do? Verse 10, the very commandment that promised life proved to be what? Death to me. You and I know that, right? Why do we have speed limit signs, folks? To control you, to be the man, to oppress you into... No, it's for your safety, right? Signs are given, stop signs, intersections, stoplights, and so forth. They're all there for what? Your safety, for your good. Now, the problem is we don't look at it that way. It actually causes us to do what? What's wrong, right? What's wrong? And so here's what I want you to see. The law which was supposed to bring life only brought death. So when you look at the moral law and you look at what God says, and these are the boundaries of how you should live your life, and if you live within these boundaries, you're going to do good and it'll be great for you. What ended up happening, though, is that that law, which was supposed to bring life, was influenced in the wrong way by the power of sin and it only brought me what misery consequences you know it's interesting i tell people especially young people i tell them you know be careful what you open yourself up to if somebody offers you something that you shouldn't do don't just do it Somebody says, here, take a drink. Don't do that. Somebody says, here, take a smoke. Don't do it. Somebody says, do this drug. Don't do that. Here, somebody says, I would say this to you. It's okay to have an, extra, an affair. Don't do it. Because here's the reality. Once you do it, you open yourself up to a new reality. When the new reality takes over, you can't go back. Innocence is lost. And you can't go back. The law is presenting the reality it's supposed to bring life. But when we cross that, we, what, bear the consequences of it. And we open ourselves to a new reality. And thus begins, what, a lifetime of struggle, right? Think about it. Think about the sins that you are struggling with. They're not just something that just happened overnight. Wow, that's a new one. I didn't know I'm struggling in that area. No, it's things that you have wrestled with for years. Some of them for a lifetime. And, 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 and you think back to when you were first exposed and you think, man, if I could only go back and say no. Because now you live with the consequences of that forever trying to get rid of it. 
And you can't. So the law, which was supposed to bring life, only brought death. Because when it told me not to do something, guess what I wanted to do? What it told me not to do. That's why Paul says, before the law, I was okay. And then the law showed up and it told me what I couldn't do. And I couldn't covet. And guess what? All of a sudden now I have wrestling with all kinds of coveting. So then that brings us to the PowerPoint. Here's the reality, okay? The law itself, he tells us in verse 12, is what? Good. It's holy and righteous. But here's what he says, verse 11. For sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. What does that mean? Well, here it is. The power of sin exploits the law to what? Destroy you. The law, which we can't do away with it, it's there. It exploits the law to what? Cause me to do, well, it's not causing me. It's not the reason I choose to do. It, it entices me to do wrong, and guess what? I do wrong, and guess what? I face the consequences of that. Now, do you understand the frustration? You and I have to deal with this all the time. It's, it's great to know, yeah, it's great to know, George, you said it already. I am, the old man is dead. I'm a new person in Jesus. I can now live in the Spirit and live for Him. The power of sin is broken. And we're like, yes, awesome, great, I want to live in that. But the next day, can't believe I did that again. What's the matter with me? That's why when we get into next week, when we get into the latter part of seven, we're going to see Paul say, that which I don't want to do, I do. That which I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of sin? It's a struggle we all have. And so next week when we look at it, and if you want to, go ahead and read the rest. He's going to tell you the solution. Because yes, we are defeated, but we don't have to be. So what do we do with this, George? Well, I think part of the thing is, is when you look at wanting to deal with the issues in your life. So when you and I look at the issue of spiritual defeat, and we look at why am I constantly doing the same thing over and over again? when we're looking at why are we always doing the same sins? Why am I struggling? Why am I struggling? Sometimes the beginning point you have to begin at is to understand why. You understand the truths. The truths are that I'm a, a new man in Christ or a new woman in Christ. You understand that I am dead to the power of sin. I have been set free from the bondage of sin. But you also need to understand you live in a human body 
which has for years just given in. And so you look over here and you say, well, well then why am I still enticed? Why does it seem like the power of sin still has power over me? And you realize that we live in a world where we are bound by the law. But we're not bound by it. We're, we're bound by, to Jesus, and therefore we can live in the way of the Spirit. But the problem is, is that law entices me to want to do what? Wrong. How does it entice you? Just tell you what not to do. And curiosity takes over from there, right? wonder what that would be like. Don't go there. You open up a new reality, a new bondage, a new slavery, and, and death. So you begin to realize that that which is good, which was supposed to bring life, only ends up bringing death to you. Why? Because that power, even though you're free from it, listen to me, here's the lesson. The power, even though you're free from it, still has an influence over on you. So what do you do? You have to ask yourself the question. Are you going to allow it to have the influence? And just give into it naturally? Or are you going to choose now because you've been free to choose? And again, you have the choice. You have the choice to say yes or no. You have the choice now to say, I'm not going to follow after what my sinful power that is enticing me wants me to do, my own desires want me to do. I'm going to follow after the way of what? The Spirit. And let the Spirit guide me. And that's what I hope for all of us is that we make the choice to do that and live for him. Let me pray for you.